0: Hi, I'm Anika Shee, and She Talks Crime. Hello? Hello? I want you to imagine with me for a moment. You're 10 years old, you're in the 4th or 5th grade, and the coolest, newest gadget just came out. Whatever was cool when you were in school, whether it was a Tamagotchi, a Nintendo DS, a Nintendo Switch, whatever that was, every kid had it. So you had to have it too. So you run home to your mom and you tell her, mom, 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 please, I really wanna get this thing. It's so, so cool. And your mom, like many other moms, tells you, no. I want you to feel what you felt in that moment when your mom told you you couldn't have that one cool thing. Were you hurt? Were you angry? Were you sad? And whatever feeling you feel, I want you to ask yourself, Is it enough to kill your mother? That's what today's case is about. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 44-year-old Kiana Mann was shot and killed by her 10-year-old son because she wouldn't buy him an Oculus virtual reality headset and she woke him up 30 minutes before his normal waking time. Let's get into the case. Kiana Mann was a 44-year-old behavioral health care worker who lived in a quiet town in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in a beautiful two-story home that she shared with her children. She had a daughter, Brianna, who was 26 at the time, and she had a 10-year-old son. Now, in all of my research, her son was never named. And this makes sense because in a lot of countries, when a child is charged with a crime as a child, the judicial system will do their best to keep their name and identity hidden so that when that child gets out from serving their time, they have a genuine chance at rehabilitation. Now, this is a pretty controversial kind of topic many people feel really opposing about it i personally feel like their name should probably be put out there because once that child gets out into the real world, they won't face any of the repercussions for what they did when they were younger. They get to roam and live in a society as a well, normal, functioning person, and their coworkers, their friends, and the people that they meet will never know that they committed a heinous act versus adults who commit crimes, even after they serve their time, they still face that stigma of what they did in society. They don't get their record expunged. They don't get their identity withheld. They have to face that for the rest of their lives. And I think that that's the main question of this case. How responsible should we hold children for committing heinous acts? But for the sake of keeping track of who's who, we'll just name her son, Timmy, for now. Kiana was loved by not only her family and her friends, but even her coworkers. And that is such a testament to who she was as a person because whose coworkers loves them as much as they loved her? Everything that I looked up about her, people only had positive things to say. Her family describes her as friendly, funny, and approachable. They said that she had a beautiful smile. And I'll tell y'all, when I looked her up, I was genuinely taken aback by how pretty she was. But beauty wasn't the only thing she had going for herself. She was also enrolled in Concordia University where she planned to get her master's degree in business. She was only six credits shy when she was tragically killed. Kiana's mom said that she dedicated her entire life to the mental health field, which is why she was going to school to get her business degree so that she could open up her own facility. You could tell that she had an immense amount of care and love for mental health as a whole, which is why when she started to see disruptive and disturbing behaviors in her own child, she did everything she could as a mother and as a mental health worker. She signed her son up for therapy. Now, I think that this is really commendable because for many years, and even till this day, therapy is considered pretty taboo in the Black community. And Kiana and her family are Black, by the way. And I think that that's one of the reasons this case stood out to me because it's a testament to the fact that mental health is not a monoracial experience. Your mind does not ca- care whether you're Black, you're white, or you're Asian. If you're suffering, you need to seek help. Kiana's son, Timmy, as we've named him, was 10 years old and in the fourth grade at the time of the crime. The fourth grade. When I seen that, it literally put it into perspective how much of a child this is like an elementary student. Like most 10 year old boys aren't taller than five foot. Most 10 year olds haven't lost all their baby teeth. And to realize how small he is and to try to envision him committing such a heinous act, it's, it's, it's out of this world. Like, it's, it's crazy. His family describes him as a very angry and a very reactive little boy, as they've seen many of his outbursts. One being that when he was four years old, he picked up a puppy by its tail and swung it until the puppy cried. And six months prior to his mother's death, he got a balloon and filled it with a flammable liquid, set it on fire, and then it set the couch and their rug on fire. Now, this isn't one of those cases where his family and the people closest to him were oblivious or in denial about his behavior and even his potential danger. His older sister said that he had rage issues his entire life. He would get really angry and act out. Another family member said that they knew that something would happen eventually and they wished that they stepped in sooner. At the time of the shooting, Timmy was already in therapy for over a year at that point. Timmy, his grandmother, and his sister have all said that he has five imaginary voices or people in his head. To be specific, there's two little girls, an old lady, a man, and someone who tells him to do very bad things. Now, All that I just described to you about this 10 year old is very alarming, very disturbing, and concerning and seems like it would be an immense amount of work in therapy. Now his diagnosis was never publicly confirmed, all that was said is that he was given a very concerning diagnosis. Now this could mean absolutely anything and I would vouch to say that all mental disorders and illnesses are concerning. But as someone who went to school for psychology, I have a bachelor's degree in it. I've taken many courses on the DSM-5 on various mental illnesses. I don't think that the general public knows fully what it takes to be diagnosed with a mental illness. Now, many people think that if you just present certain symptoms, that's all there is to it. When in actuality, you have to be presenting symptoms and you have to be presenting symptoms for a certain amount of time and it's dependent on your age. There are certain mental illnesses that won't be diagnosed to someone under the age of 18 such as antisocial personality disorder, ASPD, or more colloquially known as being a psychopath, being a sociopath. It's someone who's experiencing psychopathy. I want to make it very clear that I'm not diagnosing anyone. I'm just giving you guys further context and information that I have that I learned in school. In college, we learned that when a child starts to show symptoms of psychopathy or similar traits to antisocial personality disorder, they will sometimes be diagnosed with ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. ODD is described as a childhood behavioral disorder. It's marked by defiant and disobedient behavior. Now, don't get this confused with your regular child that just doesn't listen or can't follow instructions. Children who have ODD are usually angry, are easily angered, and have angry outbursts and tantrums frequently. Now, This makes life for them, their family, their school life, it makes everything just harder for them. They typically show a lot of aggression and tend to have a lot of vindictiveness to them. Also, it's important to keep in mind that not every child that's diagnosed with ODD grows up and develops antisocial personality disorder, but it is typically a marker. Again, I'm not saying that Timmy has ODD. I'm saying that as I was looking up the case and as I listened to what his family described him as, it immediately reminded me of this disorder. My research also reminded me of something called the McDonald Triad. Now, this has nothing to do with McDonald's, but the McDonald Triad is basically the theory that there are three signs that will tell you if a child will grow up to become a serial killer or commit a heinous crime. Now, many serial killers and criminals have attested to this theory being true the signs that you're supposed to look out for is committing acts of arson. So any form of fire setting as a child is one of the markers. The second is committing acts of abuse towards animals, hurting animals, you know, killing them in any way during childhood. And the third and the least scary is wetting the bed um it's typically wetting the bed to a uncomfortable age like anything past the age of like nine ten they typically wet the bed for longer than other children do now when these three things come together it's a marker according to the mcdonald triad that they will grow up to be dangerous Remembering this theory scared me because I just told y'all he hurt an animal and he set the couch on fire. That's already two of the three. But now through all this background psychology context that I've given you, I still need you to understand at the end of the day, this is a little boy. A lot of the times when we think about these heinous crimes and these vicious acts, we think about the killer and we just envision them as being the worst person ever evil but you need to remember this is a 10 year old boy struggling with his mind and not winning and that's what makes this case so uncomfortable and nuanced because in general we all feel like you're not supposed to feel sympathy for a killer but we all know that you feel sympathy for children On a regular day, like any other, Timmy went up to his mother, Kiana, and asked him to buy him an Oculus virtual reality headset from Amazon. Kiana said no. Now, many people might wonder, oh, did she tell him no because she couldn't afford it? Or maybe she told him no because of his behavior? When in reality, a part of Timmy's treatment plan in therapy was to limit his use of electronics. He was playing very violent and graphic video games and I would assume that his therapist thought it wouldn't be conducive to his condition for him to be playing games like that. So Kiana denied him the Oculus not out of personal choice but because she had to. She thought she was doing what was best for for her son but Timmy did not like that and that night he went and received the keys to her lockbox that had her gun in it and he kept it with him. That night, Kiana, Brianna, and Timmy went to bed, and the next morning on November 21st, 2022, Kiana would wake Timmy up at 6 a.m. He usually wakes up at 6.30 a.m., and this 30-minute discrepancy would be the difference between life and death for Kiana. Timmy was upset he was so upset that she woke him up 30 minutes earlier than usual that he used that key that he got yesterday went and received her gun and went downstairs to the basement where Kiana was and shot her in her eye from three feet away from her Kiana was begging and pleading with her son to just put the gun down and Timmy claims that he wasn't even intending to shoot her. He says that he was aiming at the wall and that it was a warning. I assume he just wanted to scare her into giving him what he wants and to warn her not to wake him up any earlier again but he said that Kiana stepped in the line of sight of the gun like she jumped in front of the gun and that's how she was shot. She was shot in her right eye and it exited out the back of her skull. After Timmy shot her he went upstairs to his older sister Brianna's room and told her that something happened. Brianna went downstairs to the basement and found her unconscious mother. She proceeded to call 911. When the police arrived and assessed the scene, they originally said it was an accidental death because Timmy claimed that he was just twirling the gun and it accidentally went off. And due to his age, he was able to just stay with his family. He stayed with his grandma. He wasn't even arrested. It wasn't until the next day. The day after shooting and killing his mother, Timmy logged on to her Amazon account and ordered that exact same Oculus virtual reality headset. He later on confided in another family member and told them that he was in fact aiming the gun and he apologized for killing his mother and he wanted to know if his Amazon order had arrived yet. I don't know about y'all, I'm scared like that is bone chilling like it's scary that that's where his priorities lie that to him Killing his mother and inquiring about his Amazon purchase is on the same level in his mind. His family said that he never cried. He never showed any remorse for what happened to his mother. So it makes complete sense that his grandmother called the police that day. His family was scared of him. They wouldn't want to stay in the same house as him. They're afraid for their own safety. They called the police and he was arrested that day. Now, I told you, he initially told investigators that he was just twirling the gun and that it went off by accident. But he later admitted that he was aiming the gun and that he was actually in a shooting stance. He says that his mother asked him to put the gun down and that he quote, just didn't listen. Now, when a child commits a crime and they have to go through the entire investigative criminal process, they have to test their competence level. They need to know that this child knows the difference between a truth and a lie, between life and death. They need to know that this child understands the gravity of the situation and through testing it was revealed that Timmy knows that guns kill people and that killing is permanent so at the time of the crime he knew exactly what he was doing Now, remember when I told you that Timmy's therapist gave him a concerning diagnosis? After Kiana received that concerning diagnosis, she actually put her house under surveillance. She had home security cameras everywhere. This would be perfect for this crime because it would show us exactly what happened. It could either exonerate this little boy or it'll show us what really happened that day. But miraculously, two weeks before her death, All of those cameras were unplugged. We don't know by who, but somebody unplugged all of the cameras, so they're no help to this investigation. Since then, Timmy is being held in a juvenile detention center where he awaits his trial. He's currently 11 years old, but he's being charged as an adult. And he's being charged with first-degree reckless homicide with an alternative charge of first-degree intentional homicide. If he is found guilty, he faces up to 60 years in prison. Again, he's being charged as an adult, but his identity is still being withheld because he still has a possibility to be charged as a child. Until they confirm that he's going to be charged as an adult, they won't release his name. And I don't know if you guys know, but 24 states in the United States don't have a minimum age requirement for certain crimes. So a three-year-old baby, like a three-year-old could kill someone, whether it's accidental or intentional, if a baby could do that, they could kill someone and be charged as an adult in certain states. And I just think that's like kind of crazy. But also the idea of a three-year-old baby killing someone is also crazy. So now in all of my research, his father was never mentioned. So I don't know how involved he was in his life, but he did attend his hearing virtually, but he said nothing the entire time. So Timmy's bail was initially set for $50,000, but his legal team requested that it be brought down to $100,000 because he doesn't have a source of income. Like, it literally shows his age so much that they justified the $100 bail because that's the money that he saved from birthday gifts and couch surfing and looking through couches for little quarters. Like, this is a child. It makes sense that he doesn't have anybody to financially support him because the people that will be financially supporting him is his family. And his family is grieving the loss of his mother and they're also afraid of him. So they have motive to want to keep him where he is. But His bail request was denied, so it remains at $50,000, and they added a travel restriction. So even if he did somehow get the money to get out, he literally can't even leave Milwaukee. So he remains at his juvenile detention center. In court, his face was kept out of view of all cameras and it's said that he kept his head down the entire time and remained quiet. His family said that he still shows no remorse and he also claims to have blacked out the entire crime, like he doesn't remember what happened, But anytime someone brings it up, he switches the subject over the phone, reminding them to make sure his electronics, his tablets, his laptops are all packaged away for him for when he gets out, I assume. Timmy and his legal team has pled not guilty to his first degree reckless homicide charge, which means he will be standing trial when that time comes. As for Kiana, after hearing about her untimely death, her college, Concordia University, reached out to the family and wanted to present her degree to her posthumously. Her mother was able to walk the stage and accept her daughter's degree in her hand and in her honor. And I think that that is so beautiful. When I was looking up her obituary, I came across a website that lets you donate flowers or send a card or even plant a tree in her memory. So I'll have that link down below in the description box if you want to do that. I just feel an immense amount of sorrow for this family. Uh, Like his grandmother said, it's like she lost two children. It must be so hard for them to not only grieve the loss of their family member, her daughter, but to also grieve the fact that she lost her daughter at the hands of the person her daughter created and it must be a hard and difficult decision for how to move forward as a family because I'm sure Kiana wouldn't want her family to estrange her son. It just must be a very difficult position. I just hope and pray that Kiana is at peace and that her family can heal. I feel like what makes this case so hard is that it feels like who do we blame, you know what I mean? Because we have a killer, we have a victim, but the killer is 10 years old, you know what I mean? It feels like do we blame the 10-year-old or is there a way he could have been saved, you know what I mean? Was there a better sense of community that he could have gotten, some better help maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know, it's all sad. But I'm Anika Shee and I'll see you on the next case. Bye, guys. Hello?